is the Under Center Podcast. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Under Center Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and I'm joined today by Jake Woolhead and Rain Malloy. Lads, actually, both of you guys were in London this past weekend. So, Jake, first of all, since you are the Giants fan, how did you get on? Yeah, I got on great. As you can see, my chair doesn't have the Eli Manning jersey that came with me for uh, for the game, and it obviously brought a lot of luck for me. So, uh, yeah, absolutely delighted. Didn't really expect the game to go the way it did from from the first half, at least seventeen three uh, deficit that we got into. Kind of uh, had my hopes down, but the beers kept me warm for the second half to turn around right on time. Excellent, and and Reen, um, of course, you were. You are actually a, a Panthers fan, but like you mentioned to us off air, girlfriend is a, a Packers fan. So you were a Packers fan for the day. So no doubt there was a disappointment afterwards. Yeah, it was it was pretty upsetting. I was left with a very grumpy girlfriend. But the, the whole <laughs> section that we were in just happened to be Packers fans. And uh, we were all pretty hyped going into halftime. And when the full-time whistle came around there, uh, there was not too many smiles in that crowd. <laughs> The it was crazy walking through London that weekend. Was it just a whole load of Packers fans literally everywhere? It took until maybe Sunday, like an hour before I left, before I seen one Giants fan, and then I like it. it they trickled in while it was like eighty uh, percent Packers fans for the whole thing. Even the Giants got a boo when they ran into the into the stadium. <laughs> How actually was the stadium? Um, how was Tottenham? Because I've been to Wembley. I haven't had the chance to go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yet. It's a nice stadium. It is a really nice stadium. Uh, I do think it's a little less crack outside for the old tailgating. But um, yeah, no, we had nice seats right at the 50 yard line, but we were at the top. But uh, yeah, no, still could see everything. It was it was nice. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, it's a stadium that's been built for football, right? So it's got that kind of lower pitch to to allow the use of all of the stands. And I think it really helps. There was a great atmosphere there when uh, when Aaron Rodgers ran out onto the pitch. That was the loudest I've heard a stadium in a long time. It was it was uh, it was mental. Yeah, and look, say it was upset, of course, by the Giants and. The Packers' first time in London and they lose, I'm sure um, they won't be in a rush to come back. Or maybe they will, just because of the reception that they got. Um, although, Jake, I know you did say that it was mostly just Packers fans for the whole thing, but I've noticed for years of watching the NFL and London games, it's always loads of Packers fans, whoever plays. You always just see tons of Packers jerseys in the crowd. I think they must be the one of the most popular franchises um, internationally outside of Green Bay, uh, obviously. But um, yeah, always. But this game was like exceptional because I go to them almost every year, and the variation on jerseys are just crazy. And usually, there's not like there is obviously a lot of Packers fans, a lot of the teams that are playing, but the variation is crazy. This game just seemed to be green almost everywhere. I sat beside some guys from Wisconsin who had the Luchador Packers masks on. It's just crazy, but it was crazy. Did any of you indulge yourselves in a cheese head hat that I believe was costing the grand total of 60 quid as well on the day? Actually, we said, did, yeah. <laughs> well, myself and my I girlfriend said, look, if there are any less than thirty pounds, we'll go for one because we said yeah. that that was a high bar to set. Thirty pounds for yeah. a piece of plastic, sixty pounds. So we decided against pounds. it. 
for a cheese head. I no, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it when I saw the the prices that were coming coming along. But look, uh, the second of two games in London this year. The first game as well with the Saints and the Vikings was a success too. And we'll see now what happens in Wembley in a couple of weeks' time between the the Broncos and the Jaguars. And um, we'll see maybe if the Broncos can get their offense sorted in time, and if the Jaguars make sure they don't fall off a cliff because they are threatening to a little bit now in the last few weeks. So, so we can still make the game entertaining. We are, of course, going to look ahead to Week Six and preview all the games and give our opinions on what's going to happen. But before we do, I think we cannot go any further, Reen, without asking you. You are a resident Panthers fan. The news during the week, Matt Rule was fired by the Panthers after two and a bit years in charge. Your feelings on uh, the decision by owner David Tepper to uh, to relieve Coach Rule of his duties? It, it, it put a little smile on my face there on Monday as I was in the airport going to come home. Um, yeah, look, I don't think this coaching change is going to make a whole lot of difference Um, I see Steve Wilkes having had the single year there in Arizona where he was forced into uh, a terrible QB situation with Josh Rosen um, and he was forced out after the year after some pretty terrible play. I see it kind of going the same way, right? The Panthers have got a lot of talent across the board, a lot of big names there, but the one thing that's holding them back is the quarterback and him being a defensive-minded coach Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to get the job done to pull the Panthers out of the slump that they're in. Uh, That being said, though, you know, it's a 13-week interview for the job for Wilkes, and I hope he does well. Um, I was a little bit sad to see uh, Phil Snow get the boot as well, but at the same time, you know, when you're installing a defensive head coach like that, you you want him to be able to do things his way as opposed to having a guy with so much seniority there. who might be able to kind of undercut him at every angle. So I, I understand the decision. I just think it was a little bit rough to get rid of Phil Snow and leave Ben McAdoo where he was because he has been terrible with the play calls this year. Yeah. And Jake, it's nice actually... Get the, sorry, it's always nice to get the opinion of a Packers fan, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Particularly when it comes to the Panthers, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jake, I was going to ask, and Rian mentioned it there as well, that... The Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, was relieved of his duties, and Ben McAdoo keeps his job at least for the time being. Whereas throughout this season, it was actually the defense that was outperforming the offense. So, it, do you agree with what Ryan says? Is it a case of it's a defensive head coach? He wants to do things his way, and he doesn't feel he'll be able to do that with Phil Snow staying in his role there. Uh, yeah, I can see why you would do something like that. I mean. I don't blame him. It's it's tough to get going as a new like a interim head coach to re-rally this team, especially if it's so early in the season. It's still a chance you could possibly turn it around if the players can kind of get behind the new interim coach and stuff. And as you said, Re, it's a bit of a an interview for Steve Wilkes himself. So yeah, I, I don't understand not getting rid of or not getting rid of Ben McAdoo. I've seen him myself um, on the Giants who. He was kind of hit and miss here and there, and obviously with the way the Panthers' offense have been playing, it's just a bit. Um, bewildering yeah yeah well we'll see then what happens over the next couple of weeks if it is the case that uh steve wilkes can turn things around a difficult start 
for him because he has already lost Baker Mayfield for the next couple of games at least with a high ankle sprain. So it looks like be PJ Walker. I can see Rain at the bottom of the screen just having a smile from ear to ear with that news yeah. now as well. <laughs> like, is that a bad thing, really? Really? <laughs> can we go back to the episode where we said, "Oh, there's an upgrade at quarterback for the Panthers." Yeah, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is the, look, in the grand scheme of things, this is the only reason why podcasts are done, so we can go back and give each other shit for our terrible takes in previous weeks. I said the Seattle Seahawks defense was going to be a standout this year, and they are the worst defense in football. So, look, it happens. You can bet that, yeah. It happens. <laughs> but uh, before we move on to our preview for week six, I should also mention that this show today is brought to you in partnership with Locker. Locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sports content and puts the power in the hands of fans to personalize their world of sport, including a wide range of premium NFL sources that can be tailored to your fan experience. Download the app for free in the Irish or UK iOS and Play Store today but let's get straight in to our uh, preview for week six and let's talk about the Thursday night football game first and that is of course the Washington Commanders who are one and four traveling to Soldier Field to take on the Chicago Bears at two and three the Commanders coming off their uh, disappointing loss at home to the Titans and um, where Carson Wentz threw an interception with the last play of the game pretty much to um, seal the win for the Titans the Bears coming off their Almost come from behind a victory uh, against the the Vikings last week. Um, But an interesting stat coming in this game. Carson Wentz, who's come in for a lot of criticism this year, even from his own head coach we've heard this week in Ron Rivera, he is 6-0 on Thursday night football games since entering (laughs) the league. He is on course. If he can win on Thursday night, he will be only... Uh, the fourth QB after Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Russell Wilson to win seven straight Thursday night football games. On the Bears side of things, uh, you know, Justin Fields had one of his better games last week, both uh, with his legs and throwing the football against the Vikings. Maybe the sign of things starting to turn around for that offense, but uh, Jake, I'll start with you first on this game. What are your thoughts ahead of Commanders at Bears? I mean, it's probably not the most exciting game we were looking forward to, especially after a pretty poor last uh, last week Thursday night game. But um, I'm like, I'm like, I'm at least a little bit excited to look for look to at the Commanders. They got that uh, rookie running back who who came in. Um, I think he only got a he was on a snap count last week, but um. Good to see him come back. It might provide a little bit of a spark for that kind of lulling offense there on the Washington Commanders side. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this game. It's, it's Thursday night football, which is never the most exciting game of the week. And we just have to watch two not good teams go at it. So I'm probably not staying up late for this game. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, but that's just Murphy's Law, isn't it? Like, this is set up to be a terrible game, right? Two it's like 70 point game offenses. or something. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an explosive game start to finish. I can feel it. Um, yeah, no, look, Justin Fields looked like a, an actual competent quarterback in the game last week. Uh, so I expect them to kind of have a nice enough game in this one that uh, Commander's defense is not great on the back end. And they struggle to stop the run as well. So I think um, the likes of Montgomery and um, the backup... Khalil, uh, Khalil Herbert. Herbert. Khalil Herbert, yes. 
Uh, they're going to have big days as well on the ground. And watch out for a bit of Justin Fields scrambling because we saw that nice big run against the uh, Vikings that was just so unfortunately pulled back for the for the holding call. Um, yeah, I can't believe that stat though. Six and zero on Thursday night football for Carson Wentz. Like that is just crazy. Yeah. I can't. I'm going to put a bet on them and they're going to lose. Like that's just <laughs> the, the reality of the situation here for me. But uh, I love a stat like that. They're kind of pointless, but also I'm into it. I'm into it. Look, it can't get any worse than last week's uh, game between the Colts and the Broncos. Um, so as long as it's better than that, and we have at least, was it, there was only one, there was no touchdowns at all in the game last week. So at least if we have one touchdown, we're already doing better than we did last week. Um, so I am thinking, uh, very quickly, lads, who are you thinking for this game, though? I'll go first. I'm all in on this commander's streak going forward. I'm all in on the Wentz streak. What's the? Let me just quickly check what the handicap here is for us. While he's checking that, Rain. Well, while he's doing that, I'm going to go against them and say the Bears. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. They're able to rely on that running game regardless of how bad Justin Fields is, and I can see them going to 500 this week. Okay. It's the it's a pick'em game, which means usually it's a plus one point favorite to the the home team, but uh, it doesn't seem to be. So it's dead evens on this one. Dead evens. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I think I am looking at the Bears in this game as well, um, mostly because of the home advantage. I think, especially on a short week, home advantage is a huge plus for a team. Um, I think home teams in Thursday night football so far this year are winning as well. Um, apart from week one and last week, I think it was mostly just home teams that were winning them. So I'm going to continue that streak, and I think that the Bears are going to uh, to win this game and to go three and three, and the Commanders to um, sink even lower and put a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fire under the seat of Coach Ron Rivera. Um, of course, because I think the comments that he's making now recently, the the stuff about just basically blaming the quarterback for why he's behind in the NFC East. Um, that, 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 is, that was very much taken out of context. Yeah, though. Like absolutely. His, his very next it, comment was that, that the reason is every other QB in that division have been there more than a year, and Carson Wentz has come in. He also said he has absolutely no regrets in bringing Wentz in. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll see, though. We'll see. Um, uh, if they do get the win and Carson wins, he did play a decent game last week, apart from that interception at the end. But that's the problem, he always has a mistake in him, and you know it's coming soon. So, whether it's the first play or the last play, if he hasn't made a mistake yet, it's coming soon, and that's that's always the worry when it comes to, to wins. But we'll move on to Sunday's games, and we'll start, of course, with the early slate. Um, let's have a look at yeah, let's have a look at the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Um, the 49ers running back Jeff Wilson actually had a huge game last week uh, 132 scrimmage yards, um, and a 15th career rushing TD. He's aiming for his third game in a row with a rush, uh, t- with a rushing touchdown. Uh, and a third game in the row on the road with over a hundred yards uh, scrimmage. So uh, it's an interesting stat there for for the 49ers. On the Falcon side of things, uh Drake London, uh, of course, their rookie rookie wide receiver, had four catches for 30, 
35 yards last week against the Bucks. Uh, he ranks actually third among rookies with 22 receptions and about 256 yards. Of course, the Bucks are the, the Falcons coming off that, uh, you know, heartbreaking loss against the Bucks last week, which included that crazy roughing the passer call on Grady Jarrett. And the 49ers coming off that game against the Panthers that, uh, of course, ended up being Matt Rule's last game in charge. Reen, I'll start with you first on this one. What are your thoughts ahead of 49ers and Falcons? Yeah, I'm really liking the look of this 49ers team. Um, Their offense played very well at the weekend uh, against what is a strong, albeit uh, injury-depleted Carolina Panthers team. Um, it kind of just depends on what version of Jimmy G you get on the day. It could be throw a pick six safety Jimmy G, or it could be light the place up and have 260, 300 yards passing and a couple of touchdown passes to boot. Um, so I think that's really where it's going to come down to on the 49ers offensive side of the ball. Looking at the Falcons, they really need to get things going uh, against what has been a dominant defense. Um I think it's probably going to rely a lot on Kyle Pitts getting the ball out quickly and maybe utilizing Mariota's um, kind of mobility as a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, we need to see him run the ball more um, than he has been in recent weeks. Yeah, I don't know. I think it kind of comes down, as you said, Ree, this like the Falcons D line against the 49ers O line and, and how much time it can give Jimmy G to avoid uh, any of these mistakes that you mentioned. So I'm looking forward to seeing that battle and also maybe George Kittle. I'm looking forward to seeing him maybe turn it around a bit more in the passing game. I know he's been a key person there for that run blocking, but uh, I'm sure he'd also like to see a couple of more TDs with his name on them. So I'm hoping he can get a few more. The The Falcons, I, I would like to see um Sorry, Kyle Pitts uh, just exploded a bit more. He had a bit of a, a, a good week last week. So if he just lives up to that fourth overall pick type of game, maybe then you have a proper game to have uh, have on Sunday. I think uh, injuries are a very underrated thing for the 49ers as well this week because as far as I'm aware, Joey Bose is not going to make it. He has a groin injury. Um, I think it's... Uh, uh, Mosley is out with an ACL. I think... Ward, their cornerback, is out with a broken wrist. So the uh, injuries are starting to mount up a little bit. And, of course, the likes of Trent Williams and stuff is out too. Um, I don't know. I think maybe we might see something from the Falcons in this game. I, I know you mentioned about Jimmy G and his games where he has 260 and or 300 yards throwing the ball. But realistically, they're sort of false yards because it's a lot of yak yards after that. Uh, you see, you throw a five-yard pass to Debo Samuel and he runs it in for 50, or you throw a five-yard pass to, you know, George Kittle and he runs it for 20, 25 yards. You know, it's... it's. So if they can tackle... If they can stop the yak yards and get the players down as soon as they catch the ball, that's where the Falcons, I think, have a chance. Um, they lost their main linebacker last week with Deion Jones being traded to the Browns as well. So that's going to be interesting, especially when it comes to this run game and what they can do. Tevin Coleman actually came back and had a great game last week for the 49ers as well. So um, it's not just on Jeff Wilson's shoulders. So we'll see. We'll see there when it comes to that. Um, for me, I am probably going to go with a 49ers win on this. Um, I did mention them as one of my as my Super Bowl team um, at the start of the year. And I think if they are going to be that Super Bowl team, they're going to have to win these games. 
Um, and I think they can go to Atlanta and win them. Um, Jake, who have you got first? Yeah, I think I'm going to lean 49ers with you on this one. If any kind of coach can overcome a slew of injuries, it's definitely going to be Kyle Shanahan. So I'm going to lean towards them. And uh, I also just want to make the note that I think you picking the 49ers as a Super Bowl team when they were starting Trey Lance at the time was a mad pick. But now that you've Jimmy G, I can give you a back. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and make it a clean sweep for the Niners in this one, which presumably means the Falcons are going to do it. But uh, no, the the, the it 49ers... where a Thursday night football pick last week with the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. The 49ers are a good football team. The Falcons are a bad football team. Logic dictates the 49ers win that game. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's uh, move on then to the next game on Sunday, and that is the New England Patriots against the Cleveland Browns. Two, two, and three teams going up against each other uh qb bailey sappy of course made his first career start last week and completed 17 of 21 passes uh with a touchdown uh, and an interception for a 100 rating a nice perfect 100 rating I love yeah. <laughs> you know uh he's obviously aiming for he's actually aiming for his third game in a row with a 100 plus qbr so we can we'll see if that on the brown side of things of course nick chubb has continued his great start to the year rushing for 130 four yards and two touchdowns last week his seventh career game with 100 plus rush yards um and two rushing touchdowns tied for the second most in nfl since uh 2018 and is the only player in the nfl with 100 scrimmage yards in each of his first five weeks and become the first player since 2018 with 100 plus scrimmage yards in each of the team's first six games of the season he leads the nfl with 593 rush yards and seven rushing touchdowns uh i think i'll start first on this game it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, the Patriots' defense shut out the Lions last week, um, a team that also likes to run the ball. The Browns were extremely unlucky not to beat the Chargers last week just for a failed uh, Cade York field goal at the end of the game, which he just... I think, I think it just hit the side of his boot. It just went right as soon as he kicked it. It was just gone. It didn't even hit the net, I don't think. You know, uh, I think... Uh, Belichick loves playing against the Browns. The Patriots have actually won the last four games they played against them. Um, it is tough. Brissett has had a really good uh, season as well. A lot better than I thought he was going to have you now as the backup. Um, the Browns have lost three games this year, and the aggregate score for their three games is six points that they've lost by combined. That is a crazy stat. I think this will be a close game. I'm going to lean towards the Browns, or not not the Browns, sorry, the Patriots rushing attack being too much for the Browns. They can't stop the run at all this year. They've, Like I mentioned there in the previous game, they brought in Deion Jones to help in the run game in the linebacking position. But I think that the, the Patriots will uh, just have enough to beat the Browns and leave Cleveland with the win. Uh, Rain, what do you think? It's interesting that you mentioned the Patriots running game, uh, considering they have now lost a guy, their starter, and they're down to Ramondre Stevenson, who, in my eyes, is not really an every down back, right? He's good first to third down, but when you need that, like, through the tackle, short yardage situation, I don't really see Ramondre doing it. Um, On the flip side of things, you have obviously got the best 
running back in the league at the moment. And a pretty good sidekick in Kareem Hunt. Uh, no pun intended on that, by the way. Uh, and um, yeah, I really can't see the Browns losing this game, to be honest. I think they have too much talent across the board for the Patriots, who have been sputtering uh, recently. Now, I did like the way Bailey Zappi moved the football in his last game. Um, surprisingly more so than Mac Jones. Maybe that was down to the, the defense he was playing against, but still he managed to move the football and looked competent doing it. Um, so for me, it's a little bit of a toss-up, but I think the Browns will come out on top. Yeah, I'm far more on the Brown side than than you, Ray, but I do think it's going to be a good game. Um, I'm a big fan of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt duo on the backfield. I just think they're going to be a little bit overwhelming for that Patriots D-line, even though they're, as we know, they're quite good with the run. But I'm also really liking, as you said, Dara, how Jake Biscuit started to play or has been playing throughout the season, especially with he seems to be latching on to a nice target, David Njoku, getting a lot of kind of them yards with him. And Njoku himself is playing quite well. So I don't know. I just see this game going more in the Browns' favor. They were quite unlucky against the Chargers. The, the Pats... Um, blew out the Lions there last week. As we know, the Lions don't really have a defense as such. So uh, I'm not really saying that they can score that well, and I don't think they'll score that well on the Browns. Okay. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Let's move on then to from two two and three teams to two three and two teams. Um, incredibly, one of them is the New York Jets, and they're traveling to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers. Packers coming off, like we mentioned, that London loss against the Giants. The Jets coming off a forty to seventeen demolition job of the Miami Dolphins. Um, interestingly enough, the Packers have actually won the last three meetings between these sides. Uh, on the Jets side of things, uh, Michael Carter had a, a career high two rushing touchdowns in week five against the Dolphins. Um, and a one, and along with sorry, uh, Bryce Hall, who had two as well. Uh, he is. Sorry, I should say they're one of two pairs of AFC running backs, along with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, to each have two rushing touchdowns in 2022. So the, the Jets are sort of taking something out of the Browns' playbook a little bit in terms of having two very competent running backs that can play um, on a, a multiple downs. So maybe they can have that two-headed attack to help Zach Wilson. And um, they still have some dangerous receivers on the outside as well. Um of course, uh, on the Packers, like I said, they're coming back off that disappointing loss, which kind of showed as well in the second half, especially that this receiving core is probably not the receiving core that's going to take them to the Super Bowl. Um, it's going to be very tough for them. They might still make the playoffs. They might make a, a win a game or two in the playoffs, but Super Bowl might be a little bit out of their hands. Jake, I'll start with you first on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts ahead of uh, Packers against the Jets? That's a, it's going to be a good game. I think the, the Jets have kind of come into their own offensively and they're able to score some points now. They've got a pretty decent uh, running back pair. You mentioned Michael Carter, Brees Hall. I think the two of them are going to be a quite a good uh, duo in the, in the next year's coming. And I'm really liking their wide receiver core. I think they're pretty decent. The Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, that rookie, um, has been playing pretty good as well. So, uh, yeah, no, I really like that. And their defense seems to be holding its own. 
I'm really liking how Quinn and Williams kind of played so far. I liked how he plays. And CJ Mosley, Quan Alexander, them guys as well are going to be pretty tough. Uh, you have to just, I, I assume Robert Sala is going to take something out of last week's game against the Packers, how the Giants played the Packers on defense, which was blitz a lot and not give them a lot of time to, to for them receivers to get open. So um, I like the Jets. I don't know if I'm going to pick them to win this game, but because um, you can never count out Aaron Rodgers really, can you? Like, especially when it's Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon in the backfield, and Randall Cobb, he's okay. He's old, but he's still okay. Um, so no, I don't know that. I, I feel like the the Jets running is going to just take off in this game and, and the Packers can't stop it right now. So it's going to be a pretty tough one for them. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Um, I don't know if you noticed in that um, in that London game, but Aaron Rodgers had some awful overthrows and underthrows in that game. I don't know if he's carrying an injury or something, but it's absolutely not like Aaron Rodgers when he is usually deadly accurate regardless of the length of throw that he's thrown it out and Marine, sorry so, just to interrupt you very quickly he did miss practice on wednesday with a thumb injury okay that's interesting so i don't know if that's affecting him more than maybe he's making out um but yeah he did not look like the aaron Rodgers we know and love um in the in that game and this might carry on to the next game on the flip side of that, you know, the Jets, I think the spark that they really needed was Zach Wilson. Since he's come back, they've looked like a totally different football team. Uh, one who are capable of playing offense and playing it well. Um, I still think they're trying to kind of cover up some of the Zach Wilson um, inefficiencies, maybe is the right word. By, you know, running the football, uh, getting the ball out of his hands, some stunt plays and that sort of thing. You know, we saw him catch a touchdown there a couple of weeks ago. And they had five rushing touchdowns at the weekend. So I think as he has been the spark, but they're being smart about it. And he's still a young quarterback. He still makes mistakes. Uh, so put as much as he can on the star-studded wide receiver core and that one-two punch that you got in the backfield. Uh, like Jake, mm -hmm. I'm pretty close on this game. I don't really know who I want to go for. I'll probably go for the Packers uh, just to save the beatdown that my girlfriend will give me if I don't pick him. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. I don't know if we should are able to say this, but I like the Jets. I do. I like the Jets. And I, I, like, say, they, I agree. I think this matchup is horrible for the Pam, for the Packers. Um, we saw last week that their O line couldn't stop the pressure from the the Giants' defensive line, and um, they had pressure on Rogers all the time. the The Jets' defensive line is probably even better. With you mentioned Quinn and Williams, also Carl Lawson as well. There too, um, you know they've got the a linebacking duo of K1 Alexander and CJ Mosley have started the season really, really well. So that'll help in the run game. There were uh, cornerbacks are probably, I think they ranked in the top five cornerback pairing so far this year in DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. Um, and then Jordan Whitehead as a like as a Super Bowl winner with the with the Buccaneers for that experience in the in the very back too. I think it's just gonna be a a a, a a nightmare for the Packers. And like I mentioned, their their defense has not been performing well at all this year, considering the names that are there. They just have not been able to perform up to the standards as expected. And Saquon Barkley was giving them so much trouble in the running game last week. And like that, we mentioned with Carter and Hall too. I think that 
I really do think that the Jets can go to Lambeau and beat the, the Packers and put a lot of pressure on on LaFleur and Rodgers now. Um, so I'm going to actually go for the Jets on this. Yeah, I think like I, I might do it. They're seven-point underdogs. So uh, Pack, uh, Giants came from minus eight and a half, so maybe the Jets can come from minus seven to win it. Or plus seven, sorry. Wrong way around. Plus seven, yeah. yeah. How, how, how crazy is it that we're talking about two good football teams in New York at this stage of the season? Wild. <laughs> Who said before the start of the season, the four-and-one Giants and the three-and-two Jets? That's just crazy. <laughs> I know, it's unbelievable. We'll get to um, the Giants in a little bit, but we'll move on to the, an AFC South matchup. It's a repeat of week one. The Jacksonville Jaguars travelling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Of course, like I mentioned, the repeat of week one where the Jaguars beat the Colts. Um, the Jaguars have actually won the past two games, including that one at the at week 18 of last season too. So Jaguars seem to have the Colts number a little bit, but Things have sort of, you know, come off a cliff the last few weeks for the for the Jaguars. They were 14 points up against the Eagles and threw that away and lost. Um, against, okay, an undefeated Eagles team, you can understand that. But they played so poorly in that game last week against the Texans. And well, look, both teams didn't play great in general. Um, a standout, though, for the Jaguars so far is their rookie linebacker, Devin Lloyd, who is aiming for his third game in a row with 11-plus tackles. He leads the uh, he leads uh, all rookies this year with 49 tackles. So if you're looking for a defensive player of the year candidate to throw a few quid on, Devin Lloyd is definitely up there for sure. With the, uh, with the Colts, Matt Ryan uh, was aiming for his third game in a row with 250-plus passing yards. He has a 105 rating in each of his last or in each of his first two home games this year. He is one of three NFL quarterbacks, which include Josh Allen and Tom Brady, with 350-plus pass yards in multiple games this year. Getting up and down the field isn't the problem for the Colts. It's the red zone that seems to be a problem with the Colts and not being able to to finish drives off and not being able to get the run game going in a in a team that we've known for years to have such a strong offensive line. The offensive line this year has been so poor and has been allowing um, Matt Ryan to be sacked multiple times each game. I think he has the most fumbles as well for any player in the league this year too. Um, so... It's been a struggle so far for the Colts. Uh, Rian, I'll start with you first on this one. What are your thoughts ahead of Jaguars at Colts? Yeah, I, I think it really boils down to that Colts O-line. Um, I think if they're missing Jonathan Taylor again as well, that's going to be a major issue. Uh, but, I mean, the O-line giving up all those sacks against um, against the Broncos there last week. I mean, we saw them get down into multiple red zone situations and Matt Ryan takes sacks that kind of knock them out to the point where field goals actually start becoming difficult. And, you know, part of that is on the O-line, but part of that is on Matt Ryan holding on to the football too long. I think he has been doing that a lot this season. And that's when you kind of see these stats creep in where there's, you know, fumbles. I think he has five on the season so far, which is just an outrageous number for a guy of his... Uh, he can go we'll, ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll inform when he gets back. Okay, uh, but for a, for a guy of his caliber and um, his you know 
stature in the league i think yeah it's it's wild that he's doing that like you can understand it from younger guys but a guy like him he should know by now that if he's in red zone situations and he sees the blitz coming there's nobody open get rid of the ball do not take the sack and it's it's like mistakes like that that are costing colts games this season yeah i don't know i completely agree with you uh this might be the most boring game of sunday coming uh both teams probably can't score both teams can't score in the red zone so it's going to come down to the kickers and who's got the better kicker to be honest but um as you said matt ryan makes a lot of mistakes the the jaguars have got some good takeaways from other the other teams so uh, maybe we see a lot of mistakes from Matt Ryan this game with an overpowering pressure from Josh Allen on the defense of that Jags team or whoever, uh, Devin Lloyd, that rookie, as you mentioned, Dara. So um, I don't know. It's just going to be boring. I don't really want to watch this game. I don't really think – like Matt Ryan set that team back a couple of years, in my opinion. Um, it's it's not good. It's not good at all. And and if, as you said, if John Taylor isn't playing, that's just a whole nother mess that the, the Colts have to get through where the Jags have two decent running backs ready to go. So, yeah, no, most boring game. I don't think I'm going to watch it. Well, I will watch the condensed probably. That is the definition of a YouTube highlight game. <laughs> You know, that's what it is. It's it's Dara's YouTube highlight game of the week. It's the one that you'll spend the 10, 15 minutes watching on YouTube. And that's all I think you'll need to know about it. But um, yeah, I, I it's a tough one, though, to pick for me. I'm not too sure. Um, if Jonathan Taylor plays, you, I would imagine that the Colts would have enough to win that game. If the ja- if he doesn't play, I I think the Jaguars could. Um, it's weird. Like the strengths of the the Colts are kind of you know they help counterbalance the strengths of the the Jaguars. Like some of their wide receivers are quite good, but the the Colts uh, wide, cornerbacks have been really good this year, which include of course Stephen Moore and uh, Stephen Gilmore, I should say. Um. I'm going to go with the Colts on this one only because they have home advantage, only because they're looking to avenge their last two defeats against the Jaguars too. Um, might be a bit of just a lull period now for Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars for the next few weeks, and hopefully he can come back a little stronger after that. Yeah, I yeah I'm going to go against you there. I, I'm going to go against you. Uh, I think that Trevor Lawrence... Did a pretty good job passing the football last week. Uh, maybe didn't do as much in the red zone as he should have. Um, but we have seen improvements by him this season. Uh, and I think he's going to take that step forward. The Colts defense, as good as they look on paper, have not been performing all that well. True, they didn't allow a touchdown versus the Broncos. But the Broncos offense have been abysmal this season. Uh, so I expect Trevor Lawrence to get things going in this game. Uh, and look for them to lean on James Robinson and Travis Etienne in the game. You know, Etienne had his uh, highest career scrimmage yardage uh, on the game last week. So, yeah, expect them to lean on that running game. And uh, I see the Jaguars coming away with a W in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I, I, if I have to pick one, it has to be the Jags, I think, on this one. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to pick one from this game. So I'm going to go with the Jags. Yeah. Okay, no problem. That's no problem at all. Just when I win, I'll try not to rub it in your faces. 
too much. Uh, well, I don't think anybody wins with this game now. On Sunday. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on and let's have a look at the Minnesota Vikings traveling to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Like I mentioned earlier on, the Vikings coming off their 29-22 to win against the Bears. The Dolphins coming off their 40-17 to loss against the Jets. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa is back in practice this week, we've seen, but he's already been ruled out for the game this week by um, Mike McDaniel. Um, obviously, giving him another week to, you know, um, rest that concussion. And um, we still don't know about Teddy Bridgewater if he's going to make it. If not, then we'll probably see Skylar Thompson. Um, Tyreek Hill is a doubt. We don't know if he's going to make it now to this game. He left the game with a boot on last week against the Jets, so we'll see how he is there. Um, on the Vikings side of things, Dalvin Cook went for two touchdowns last year. Justin Jefferson is continuing his case for Offensive Player of the Year. He had a career-high 12 receptions for 154 yards and he's tied with uh hall of famers lance allworth and randy moss for the most games 150 plus yards in his first three seasons um as an nfl player uh he has 17 games so far with 100 plus receiving yards the third most by uh, any player in his first three career seasons and I think the key obviously for the the Vikings to win this game is to give Jefferson the ball as much as he can obviously he'll have Xavier Howard looking after him in that game too so it'll be interesting to see that little battle to see how things progress on that on the Dolphin side of things like I mentioned if whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Skylar Thompson it'll be important to get the run game going especially with Raheem Mostert um, and Chase Edmonds. If Tyreek Hill can't make it, obviously more responsibility will fall on the shoulders of Jalen Waddle. Um, but we'll see what happens there. Jake, your thoughts on on this game? Yeah, I mean, it, for me, it really all relies on if Teddy Bridgewater is playing or not, because at least we know Teddy Bridgewater can play. Skylar Thompson didn't play too badly last week, but... I don't know if that's going to be sustainable for a quarterback, a rookie quarterback. Um, so I think what's going to happen is it's, there's going to be a lead to the Vikings early and then there's going to be a lot of running the ball from the Vikings and a lot of uh, playing catch-up from the Dolphins. So I don't know. Like I know I like Raheem Ostert. He's just a bit injury-prone, so he can catch the ball and stuff like this. But I don't know. I just don't see them being able to run the ball because I feel like they're going to be playing catch-up. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Jake on this one. Um, the Dolphins are starting to worry me a bit. This feels like a little bit of a slide starting to form. Uh, if they lose this game, uh, it's going to be like catch-up time for the Dolphins to try and go ahead and win that division because they will be looking to win that division uh, to really kind of give themselves the best advantages that they can in the playoffs. Um but the Vikings are looking very, very strong. Dalvin Cook on the ground is looking fantastic. Justin Jefferson, I love the way they move him around the pitch, set him up in different positions and get the ball to him as often as they can. Um, yeah, Cousins is playing all right. But on the defensive side of the ball, Zadarius Smith is having himself a season. Um, he was good over with the 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 Green Bay Packers moving to a divisional rival never sometimes doesn't work out, but it certainly has for Zadarius Smith. Um, so yeah, I, I just 
I see the Vikings winning this game regardless of who's starting up quarterback. And I think it will be Teddy Bridgewater. We didn't see much wrong with him in that game. I saw some of the fan footage. I didn't see the stumbling that the the spotters saw. So, yeah, I'm taking the Vikings in this one. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, yeah I'm going to – sorry, uh, Jake, I was just going to mention. Of course, he, yeah, he was – you could say – I don't want to say a victim, but he was um, pulled out of the game because of the new concussion ruling that was brought in because of the issues around two and him coming back into games and stuff like that. So, you know, the Dolphins just can't seem to get out of the news when it comes to stuff like that. But, Jake, sorry to interrupt you there. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think I'm going to lean the Vikings anyway, regardless of whether Teddy B plays or not. But um, the whole game changes for me if Teddy Bridgewater starts to play because now you, you feel like you can have a, a more uh, even passing attack with your rushing attack. But um, I still think that they're not going to be able to hold back the Vikings offense and they're going to have to play a bit of catch up, which becomes harder when you're starting a rookie quarterback. Exactly, and I am going to lean with the Vikings on this game as well. I think it's going to be important for them to continue into the second half of games. We've seen them dominate first half of games a lot this year, especially even last week, um, and in the London game as well against the uh, the Saints. That they they went up early in these games, but they allowed teams to come back into it. They have to stop that, or they have to continue to put their their foot on the gas pedal and continue on the offense to start driving up points so they don't get into these games. If it wasn't for a holding call, um, the Bears would have won that game last week um, with the the Justin Fields run that was called back for the hold. So, you know, the Vikings could easily be two and three, three and two right now if it wasn't for these, you know, calls going their way and um and these last minute wins so i think that uh, it's important for them to keep to play a full 60 minute game um and not a first half game or for a 30 minute game but i still am going to lean with them to win this one we'll move on then to the bengals traveling to new orleans to take on the saints the bengals coming off that sunday night football loss to the baltimore ravens the saints coming off their huge win against the seahawks with Taysom hill going for four total touchdowns three rushing and one throwing. Um, if you need a player to have a career day, just play the Seahawks. He'll give you that. Title. No problem at all. Um, looking at this game first, um, I am leaning a bit towards the Bengals on this one. Uh, Joe Burrow is actually quite a good road quarterback. Um, he has um, a... Well, I just saw the stats there for... Uh, let me just see. Uh, yeah, he has 19, yeah. 20 touchdowns, 19 pass, and one rushing touchdown to five interceptions, and um, with an 104 rating in his last nine home games. He is a very good road quarterback. The uh, the defense plays sneakily good too. It's not getting a lot of credit at the moment, and um, even to keep the the Ravens um down to just nineteen points as well last week was quite good. The Saints, on the other hand, do struggle a bit on offense. We don't know about the health of Chris Olave just yet. If he's going to make it after that nasty looking concussion he he took, Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas should be back this week. Uh, like I mentioned, Taysom Hill had a fantastic game last week. It looks like they might be sticking with Andy Dalton. Again, a quarterback this week. I don't think Jameis is quite ready. Um, so they are getting some offensive pieces back. Um, the defense does flatter to deceive a little bit. They should be performing, I feel, a little bit better. Um, but 
yeah, I, I think I'm going to lean towards the Bengals in this game just for um, just for the quarterback. And I think that uh, he'll be able to see. But before you actually get into the game, did you see that? I think that thing on Twitter there during the week about the Sunday Night Football game giving away Joe Mixon's tells for plays. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just silly stuff, isn't it? That's just almost like high school level football. Yeah, just it, ridiculous. Is. it is. But, uh, Rian, I'll actually start with you on, first on this one. What are your thoughts ahead of the Bengals at Saints? My thoughts are pretty similar to yourselves in terms of it's a difficult one to call. Um, like you said, Joe Burrow is a very good road quarterback. Um, He's just a very good quarterback in general, I believe. (laughs) But he didn't have the best of games last week. Um, I think he had one touchdown, one interception, something like that. Um, But he he didn't look himself the the whole game. And what is making me go the opposite to yourself on this one, Dara, is momentum. Uh, I think that Saints win was very big for them, uh, going out there and beating the Seahawks. Admittedly, not the best defense in the world, but at the same time, they went out, they scored points, and it's going to feel good in the Saints locker room where the Bengals probably feel a little bit beat down. They're 2-3 and when they weren't really expecting to be, and the Saints are 2-3 and without their starting quarterback. Uh, So I think they're going to be pretty happy with how things are going the momentum will be with their way and that's what's kind of putting me towards picking the saints in this one yeah i think that's a bit dangerous though to be honest i've seen a tweet just before we start recording this that michael thomas was not spotted at practice today which doesn't generally bode bode well for them um and also uh, one of their defensive players wasn't spotted at practice as well so we'll see have to see how that plays out for the rest of the week but um, what I'm thinking in this game is takeaways. I've seen the Saints um, have a, they've given it, are taking it away five times and given it away a total of 13 times, which is not a good um, ratio here. We've seen Von Bell has three interceptions on the season. So maybe that continues on this game, one or two more. I'm liking the way the, the, the Bengals have played, but that O-line scares me. It's just not good like as good as it should be to protect Joe and um, the two Joes in the backfield. But uh, at least we've seen Joe Mixon have a pretty decent game and the rest of them running back's room. So I'm going to lean the Bengals on this one. I think that's just the way the game's going to go. I just don't think you can compare that Seattle win to anything, even though it's just a bit of momentum. But when you, when you look at the stats of that team, the Seattle team's defense is just not good and you can't, hold that where the Ravens defense is quite good um, and they still managed to score the 17 points there yeah um, I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna go for the Bengals on this game uh, like I mentioned I am leaning towards them I think I am gonna go for them I think that they are a team that are in a better position at the moment to be going towards playoffs and Super Bowl they have the better players in the important positions and I think that would be enough for them to leave um, New Orleans with the win, but let's move on then to yeah, let's move on to this game. Uh, Jake's favorite game of the week the Baltimore Ravens traveling to MetLife to take on the New York Giants. Jake, I'll let you go first on this one. What are your thoughts ahead of this game? Uh, I plead the fifth. I feel like if I don't talk on this game, I won't be able to jinx anything. Um, but no, in seriousness, on this game, it's gonna be. 
it's tough. I would like to pick the Giants, but I feel like this is the game out of the next couple of games that we're going to lose. It's, um, it's just a tough Ravens team with a quality quarterback who can seem to throw now and then also uh, still has his rushing ability who's hard to contain in that pocket. So um, it's going to be tough, although the Giants have Wink Martindale, who was the defensive coordinator of that uh, Ravens team for the past couple of years. So he might have a bit of an inside uh, track on how to stop Lamar Jackson running in into that, um, keep running all over the place and throwing the ball around. But uh, on the Giants' offensive side, we also have maybe three practice squad receivers playing as a starting wide receiver. We still got Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones' ankle didn't seem to bother him last week, and that uh, offensive line seems to be getting into a bit of a rhythm. So um, it's a pick em for me. I, I don't see them losing like they would have usually lost in recent years, but. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah, it's it's a little bit crazy that we're talking about, like, are the Giants <laughs> going to win this game? Like, if you gave Jake at the start of the season four and two to start out, you would have bit your hand off for it. But now he's talking about, I don't know, can we beat the Ravens? Um, for me, I just think Lamar is too good for this Giants team. I like the Giants team. I've said it every single week that I've watched them. I like how they play football. They're very gritty. But... The um the Ravens do have that big magic button that they press all the time. That is when things go poorly, get it to Mark Andrews or just keep it in Lamar's hands. And it seems to work 99 times out of 100. So <laughs> I, I expect to see the Giants winning at some point in this game. But that big red button will be smashed by the offensive coordinator. We'll see a big game from, um, from Andrews and a big game from Lamar on the ground. And unfortunately... I can see the Giants slipping to four and two in this one. Yeah. Um, I think one area that Jake sort of kind of alluded to that I think is very important in this game is that wide receivers. Um, and it worked last week against a underperforming, you know, uh, Packers secondary. But I think the likes of Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters especially, I think, are going to just gobble up a chances to try and, you know, get at the football if if and when uh, Daniel Jones does throw it. Um, I think especially with, with Peters, I think he, he just has this eye for knowing um, <laughs> how to get into the heads of these, these receivers and even into his own head as well, as we saw after the game against... Who was the game that they lost before the the game last week against the Bengals? The Bills. That was the Bills game where he just lost his mind and ended up having a fight with his own coach. But I think that the the Ravens uh, defensive line hasn't been great this year, so I do think Daniel Jones will have loads of time to throw the ball. Would be the worst thing for Daniel Jones to give him too much time to throw the ball. Um, Hang on, his interception and fumble <laughs> rate has gone drastically down this season. He's only got three interceptions, I think, and two fumbles. I, some, I think it's like Come on, man. Give him some credit. He's turned a little bit around. <laughs> oh, Only okay. two fumbles through five weeks. Like, that's that's it's pretty low comparatively. Still not great. It's, it's better than Matt Ryan's anyway, for sure. So, true. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think, look, Lamar Jackson is continuing his, his quest for MVP. And, and, you know, the it continues on Sunday against the Giants. I think that's, I think, like you mentioned, the, the safety net of. Mark Andrews, but also the fact that the likes of Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay, who no one would have 
guess would perform as well as they are this year are fantastic in the wide receiver positions for uh, for the Ravens. Um, J.K. Dobbins, since he's come back from his injury, has sort of, you know, hasn't had that breakout game. I think this could be his breakout game this week. Um, his welcome back game after his injury. So I'm going to go with the Ravens. A sort of clean sweep for this game, unfortunately. But look, nothing to say that this is going to be the end of the road for the Giants, just that they're against a team that is further along the road than they am. That's that than they are. That's it. I'm just trying to quick search who has more fumbles than Daniel Jones, and it's <laughs> Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, Justin Fields, Matthew Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Flacco, Davis Mills. It's a whole load of more quarterbacks way ahead of Daniel Jones. Give him some credit. You know who doesn't? Not on four and one teams, though. <laughs> you know who yeah, doesn't well, though well. Gino Smith Gino Smith yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll move. <laughs> <laughs> I only get to I only get to brag so much about the Seahawks let me have this okay um, let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers who are 1-4 and four. Steelers coming off that hammering against the Bills last week. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lucky to come out of their victory against the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, we mentioned that very questionable roughing the passer call as well. Um, this game, whereas a couple of years ago, if this was to happen, the teams would have been in very different places with probably the Steelers more established and the Buccaneers struggling. Now that it's kind of turned on its head a little bit a big thing for me is the the tampa bay defense against this offense and against this rookie quarterback in kenny pickett who didn't actually despite the score last week did not play that badly against the bills only given up the one interception and had some very nice throws that if his wide receivers could keep their feet in bounds would have actually improved the stat line even a little bit and probably they would have scored more I worry for their running game. Najee Harris is really disappointed this year and the Bucs don't give up a lot in the running game either. Um, I do fancy the Buccaneers to go and win this game and the on the other side of things with the Steelers defense that have really flattered to deceive that they are really missing the likes of TJ Watt so much in this uh, this period. I'm going to go for a Bucs win and I think it could be a quite a straightforward win for the Bucs in this game. But uh Rian, I'll start with you first on this one. What do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't be as confident in calling it a locked up win for the Buccaneers. They too have been having their struggles on the offensive side of the football. Um Tom Brady looks like he's had a little bit of a a, a decrease in his abilities for the first time in his in his career. Um which is which is interesting to see. Um so, yeah, I mean, the Steelers are a bad football team, right? I don't like Kenny Pickett. I don't like the way their defense is performing without TJ Watt. Um, so I still think I'll be going for the, the Buccaneers. But the Buccaneers have the potential to lose this game as well because they have just been underperforming all season. Uh, and it's just one of those games that, you know, someone is going to beat them that shouldn't. And it could very well be the Steelers. I don't see them dropping this game, really, especially as you mentioned the TJ Watt factor. If he was in this game, you might be calling it a little bit closer towards the Steelers. But I do think Leonard Fournette might have himself a little game here with some nice yards, especially trying to catch it. We know he had uh, quite a good few receptions there last week. So 
I can see this just being a game of hand it to Leonard for that and then occasionally take your shot downfield to Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or whoever else can run the ball down there. And I think that the, the Bucks defense can really swallow this uh, rookie quarterback up being that we know Todd Bowles is a defensive guy, he might come up with some cool new schemes or something cool that might confuse Kenny Pickett. And uh, I just see it being a, a a Buccaneers game. I would, I might maybe lock this game up. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I, I would say expect some um, some interesting looks at the start, maybe like cover zero looks with guys dropping back who you might not expect that sort of thing. Uh, just everything to get a young quarterback off his off his nice comfortable throwing platform well that's it uh, hasn't been that comfortable anyway for your first game of the year going up against the buffalo builds it's not he's definitely not been comfortable and then he's facing the buccaneers and um, he's definitely putting them in at the deep end anyway uh coach tomlin to start them out so maybe after these games the rest of the ones will seem easy but this one especially i think might be just a little tough for him let's get into the late slate of games um, and let's start with the carolina panthers of course one and four and head coach less traveling to los angeles to take on the super bowl champion rams who are two and three it looks like PJ Walker is going to start this game. And interestingly enough, we talked about some interesting Carson Wentz uh, stat, uh, stats. Let's ha- look at this one, right? Can I've he- seen this stat. Yeah, yeah. Um, in uh, his season day, or last week, um, in his season debut, he was uh, 50, 5 out of 6 for an 83 rating. But he is 2-0 and as a starter and can join Kyle Allen, Devin Hodges and Cooper Rush as undrafted QBs to win each of their first three career starts since the year 2000. Now, that is, I don't know, I don't know which is better, the Carson Wentz undefeated on Thursday night or PJ Walker going 3-0 and and joining such an illustrious group like Duck Hodges and Kyle Allen and Cooper <laughs> Rush as undefeated in their first three career starts. Uh, on the uh, Ram side of things, you know, there's our only bright spark at the moment on offense is Cooper Cup. Um, he had seven catches for 125 yards and, of course, a t- touchdown last week. Uh, he leads the NFL with 49 receptions, the most by a player um, in the team's first five games of the season of all time and ranks second with 527 receiving yards. They are really struggling with... Um, getting everyone else involved. They tried to get Tyler Higby involved in the game there last week. Alan Robinson is fast, becoming probably the bust of the season. Um, so far, the the defense is can is still playing well. Um, the the playmakers are doing what they need to do. Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey especially. But Rain, since you are the Panthers fan, this is the first game now uh, under the Steve Wilkes uh, era, whether that's short term or long term. What are your thoughts ahead of this game? Okay, so what I like about this game is the fact that Matt Rill is gone. The shadow is no longer <laughs> hanging over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Baker Mayfield will more than likely not start this game, which means PJ Walker is in. And I do not expect Baker Mayfield to take another snap for the Panthers in his career. Um, and simply because we've really flipped on Baker Mayfield from the start of the season. (laughs) No, no, no. Look, look, look. This is all logic. All right. If so, you say PJ Walker or Sam Darnold? Yes, 100% would take Sam Darnold at this stage. Uh, Do you not remember what happened last year? 
He suits the scheme better, man. And Christian McCaffrey is healthy, and he looked like a competent quarterback in the first three weeks. Quick knock on wood. No. Quick knock on wood. Christian oh, McCaffrey's wow. healthy. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is it. But um, no, getting back to my point, um, Baker Mayfield, if he starts 70% of the snaps this season, uh, the fourth round pick that the Panthers gave away gets upgraded to a third round pick. Uh, the Panthers do not have a whole lot of draft capital going into next season. So it makes no logical sense for an interim head coach to keep going along with this guy who has proved he's a bust in the first five weeks of the season. Um, I think you're better off going with PJ Walker, who's a total unknown, or go back to uh, Sam Darnold uh, to to just give him another shot. Like That would be the redemption story uh, of the season if he could come back and pull the Panthers back to a winning season. It's not going to happen, but it would be great if it did. Um, But then looking towards things that I don't like about this game, the Rams are coming off the back of an ugly defeat to the Cowboys, one that they didn't really expect either. So the tail's going to be a bit between the legs there. Uh, There's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal. And I think Sean McVay is going to be uh, chomping at the bit to get another win under his belt here to get them back to... 500 uh, and i think that's going to be to the detriment of the carolina panthers this is going to be a nasty one uh for the carolina panthers i tell you a fun stat i seen the other day um uh, the panthers have outscored the rams this season in total isn't that a fun stat i can't remember where i said it was that's on red it was on Twitter. that's a fun stat i enjoyed that stat having said that this is a game the rams needed badly need to go their way and it seems like it just my head coach fired starting a, an undrafted quarterback who well as we know has won his first two starts but still still a rookie quarterback you got Christian McCaffrey not a rookie quarterback sorry but like a undrafted quarterback uh, with not a lot of game experience you still got Christian McCaffrey but I think this is a game where the Rams as you said it really are coming off a, an ugly loss and need to get back on track and this, if they don't win this one, we really need to start calling um, calling for somebody else to take the helm at, at the Rams or do something else. I don't know, but they need to change something up if they can lose to this team this week. Yeah, if ever there was a get-right game, it's the Panthers at 1-4 and four with their defense busted up, which they are at the moment. So It's also one yeah. of those games that could go the opposite way and it'd be like <laughs> a complete destruction of the Rams. But this is a very dangerous game, I think, for the Rams because... It's so tough to go in the first game of a head coach because you don't exactly know what they're going to do um, or what way they're going to scheme up things. Because, you know, you had tape on Matt Rule's Panthers for the last like few years. You don't have any tape on Steve Wilkes' Panthers now for the la- for these past, uh, obviously, for the, because of the first game. There's been so many changes, especially on that Rams offense. Obviously, losing OBJ, losing... You know, um, uh, Andrew Whitworth losing even Sony Michelle in the running game because I'm sure they'd love him right now because they can't get anything going in the running game. Also, some losses that they haven't hasn't been discussed and it's very underrated is they've lost two important coaches on the offense as well. Kevin O'Connell, who was their offensive coordinator, who's the head coach of the Rams, and Wes Phillips, who was the tight ends coach, who's now the offensive coordinator at the Vikings now as well. You know, it didn't affect them so much last year when Brandon Staley left because that was on the defensive side of the things. I think, um, who was it that came in? That came in instead. Um, 
I can't remember, but if someone else came in and filled the hole, it was absolutely fine. But it just doesn't seem to be clicking so far in the offense. You're getting Detroit Lions, Matt Stafford, at the moment, not Super Bowl winning quarterback, Matt Stafford. It's just, it's it's really tough for, for them. I actually struggled to pick a winner in this one. Um, as you know, if you follow the show on our social media, that we do do a surprise of the week. And I think maybe the Panthers could be my surprise this week. And I think that they could possibly go to Los Angeles and possibly maybe turn over the Rams if Christian McCaffrey can have the game that we that he sh- we hope he can have, and if PJ Walker can limit mistakes as well. Yeah, I think another stat that kind of feeds into all that is um, the Panthers are the only team left in the league who have uh, every single play that they've played this season on offense. They've had the same five. Uh, offensive lineman out there for every single play on the flip side of that the Rams I think have had six or seven different uh, offensive line combinations this season so PJ Walker's gonna feel nice and comfortable back there and I don't think Matt Stafford will particularly with Brian Burns coming off the edge that is a huge thing with Brian Burns I was going to mention their their defensive line even Derek Brown as well has had a really good start to the year so I think that is a huge thing for that like banged up O-line for the Rams too. So I think I'm going to lean towards the Panthers on this one for the, to be my surprise of the week. But uh, we're running short on time, so we'll try and get through some of these games as quick as we can. And We're going to go to an NFC West matchup next. It's the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. The Cardinals coming off that uh, heartbreaking 20-17 to loss against the Eagles. The Seahawks coming back from their loss of 39-22 against the, the New Orleans Saints. Both sides going through some changes. Lost some important pieces in the offseason. Um, quarterback Kyler Murray is sort of hasn't really started the season too well. On the opposite side, Geno Smith has defied everyone's expectations. It's going to be the first start for rookie running back Ken Walker after the injury to Rashad Penny, which ruled him out for the rest of the season. The big thing on this game, of course, is that Seahawks defense and how poor that Seahawks defense has been this year. And it can't continue to be poor for this. It can't continue to be poor before things change. Um, I still don't know, though, if they're going to actually get things right in time for this game. Side note as well, that this is meant to kick off at 4.05 Eastern time, 9.05 Irish time. But there is a chance if the Seattle Mariners baseball team take it to a game four in their playoff game, it's played on the same day. And Seattle have said that they will move their time from uh, 4.05 Eastern to... 5 30 eastern or half 10 irish time so there could be some switching around in that game too but you know because of the home advantage and because how well gino's playing and i think the 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 cardinals defense is quite poor um i'm gonna lean towards a seahawks win on this game but uh jake i'll start with you first on this um who do you think is uh gonna come out on top yeah, tough game. As you said, both, both poor defenses. Uh, the the Geno experiment seems to be going very right for the Seahawks, and, and he, he might be able to put up some points on the on the old Carolina or Cardinals uh, defense. Having said that, um, I feel like I might be leaning towards the Cardinals win this one. Um, might be just a bit of a get-right game for Kyler Murray and the crew. So um, 
I think I'm going to go with that one. They got that Eno Benjamin coming back in now, uh, starting to play. James Conner has a couple of touchdowns on the season, so we'll have to see how that goes. But I'm, I'm, I think I might be leaning Cardinals on this one. Yeah, I, you see, for me, the Seahawks have a bad defense, but the Cardinals are just a bad football team. They're putrid <laughs> on offense in the first half. Uh, and I think that the Seahawks can rack up a few points in the first half and get the job done early out there. I have always been a passenger on the Geno Smith train, but I'm the full-on conductor now. Uh, I'm riding that bandwagon all the way home. Uh, I think he's going to have a big game again uh, at the weekend against the Cardinals, and I think he's going to get out to an early lead, and I think that's going to be the difference. The Seahawks are winning this game. Mm -hmm. A crazy stat that I saw during the week as well, that the Seahawks have have always been known as having poor offensive lines. This year, their pass block win rate is second in the league at 66%. Um, uh, and, and that's with two rookie tackles as well on either side, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas there too. So I think the, the Seahawks O-line has been sneakily good. Obviously, with the likes of JJ Watt there on that line, he's really going to test them. I think for the likes of you know playing up against the likes of Cam Jordan and and Marcus Davenport gave him a good test and he held up well. It's going to be important for them to hold up, to give that running game an opportunity and to give Gino the time to throw the ball. But um, I think they will. Um, it's going to be important for the Seahawks defense, especially that defensive line, to actually try and get pressure on Kyle Murray, make him uncomfortable, make him have to uh, leave the pocket and throw it. And then the linebackers of Jordan Brooks and, and Cody Barton have to be on alert if he does break out that they are there to stop and make sure he doesn't run for for too much as well. But I am going to go and lean towards a Seahawks win. Did everyone pick their winners on this game? Sorry, before I move on. I think we were pretty Cardinal yeah. Seahawks, Seahawks on this one. Yeah. Just just before we move on, I think the reason that the uh, pass block rate is as good as it is for the Seahawks is that they now have a quarterback worth protecting. <laughs> well, look, um, I won't say any more after that. We'll wait until we preview a Broncos game before I say on about that. But uh, let's move on to the last of the, the late games. And crazily enough, this game is not prime time. It's the Bills traveling to the Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Both teams are four and one. Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes again in a repeat of the ASC uh, championship game last season, which ended in fireworks, and the whole game was fireworks. And I cannot wait for this game, and I have no clue who's going to win. <laughs> so, Jake, I'm going to let you start on this one. Perfect. I'll give you a stat here I read the other day. This is like the second time in Patrick Mahomes' career that he's not the favorite in his home stadium. That's just saying how strong this Bills team is against. Let's just be honest with the Chiefs this year. They're winning, but they're kind of winning ugly, if that makes sense. They don't seem to be as crisp and as smooth as they have been in, in last year, the previous years. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously Patrick Mahomes, but they just, every they have to grind out the wins by the looks of things. Every time I watched them, it's like there's no smooth kind of play going on. We did see um, we did see Travis Kelsey have a big game on him last week, four touchdowns, but only 25 yards receiving. It's just like, this is crazy. I don't know. This is the game of the week. Obviously, we all have it on our calendars to watch this one. Um, I'm all in on this one. 
I don't know who to pick either, Dara. I have no idea. I, I may be leaning towards the Bills, just how they've looked a bit more smooth for me. But, man, this is going to be a good game. Yeah, actually, I, I actually, just before Rain, yeah. sorry, I just wanted because you made a, a great thing there about Travis Kelsey, and I, uh, I compare it to like four touchdowns and only getting like twenty five yards receiving. It's like in football with Erling Haaland at the moment; he has eight touches in the game and scores like four goals. You know, <laughs> he doesn't touch the ball, but anytime he gets it, he's scoring goals. Or like Travis Kelsey is scoring touchdowns. But sorry, Rain, to interrupt you there. Yeah, I was gonna say that I actually like this kind of chaoticness that the Chiefs have this season that it's not as as smooth sailing as it is uh, you had a nice stat to start out Jake I have a stat too uh, Patrick Mahomes has not thrown a touchdown to a wide receiver in the last three weeks but he has eight touchdown passes in that span that's an insane that's stat that's crazy and it means that they're getting the job done in different ways, right? Their, uh, their receiving core is not as good as it has been in the last few years, but that doesn't really matter when you have the Chiefs, you have enemy, you have Reed on that sideline calling in wacky plays and getting the job done. I like the Chiefs in this one, particularly because they're at home in Arrowhead Stadium. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs in this one, although it's not going to be by much. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the Chiefs won the AFC Championship game. Earlier on that year, I think it was week two or week three of that season last season, the Bills did play the Chiefs in Arrowhead as well, and the, the Bills won that game. Um, and that was sort of the Bills setting and making a statement for that season. Um, I think we could see something similar again. I do think that maybe... I, I Hearing... Body, you talk about both teams. I'm kind of have like one on each shoulder here, telling me which team to go yeah. for. Um, I think I'm going to lead towards the the build side of things at the moment. I think that they just have too much about them. I think they're just too dangerous at the moment. Um, and I think that Bills defense, especially, is a lot is is so much more dangerous than the the Chiefs defense. Um, both of these quarterbacks, improvisers, can get out of the pocket, can run, can run, pass on the run, can do that. Um, that's that of like eight touchdown passes and none to a wide receiver just means that it's going to be a wide receiver this week. He has to get it to because I've been burned, I think, two weeks now saying that a wide receiver would score a touchdown on a bet and he hasn't. So um, because Travis Kelsey odds are always too short for my liking anyway. Um, both teams, strange enough, too, are both are struggling with the run game. Um, their quote unquote lead back struggled last week. You know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire didn't have a great week last week, and neither did Devil Singletary for the for the Bills. So they went to the to their backups, and Jerick McKinnon had a good game for the Chiefs. And then it was was it Zach Moss? No, it wasn't. It was James Cook that scored a touchdown for the Bills against the the Steelers last week. So it, it'd be interesting to see how the running game gets on too, but. Yeah, I think I'm going to lean for a Bills victory in this game. And like I said, an absolutely crazy game that it's not going to be as prime time, but it just means us Irish fans can watch it and it's going to be great because we get a, we get Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call too, so that's always fun. Um, right, two games left. Let's get through these uh, quickly. It's the two primetime games. It is Sunday Night Football first, the 4-1 Dallas Cowboys t- Traveling to Philadelphia to take on the undefeated 5-0 Eagles. Jake, you are the NFC East fan in this group. So I'm going to let you start on this one. 
Yeah, I don't know. This is crazy. Whoever thought the Cowboys start Cooper Rush would be uh, three wins in a row with him starting. So um, that's just crazy for them that the running backs they have seem to do it quite well. It looks sometimes it looks Zeke's better. Sometimes Tony Pollard's playing better. CeeDee Lamb is playing out of his mind. Micah Parsons is playing out of his mind. That D-line is just incredible. Now, we can all agree none of us like Trayvon Diggs and we can all just harp on that as much as we like but uh it seems like they're good i don't know it's annoying me that they're good with their backup quarterback and stuff um but then on the eagles side we just know they're five now it's just an incredible team for them to have started so well jalen hurts seems to have changed from what looked like a rushing only quarterback to someone who actually can throw the ball now um maybe that aj brown trade in the offseason has done more good than we ever thought it would have for that team um yeah i don't know it's a good game actually i think all these matchups tend to be good especially with the nfc beast this year so i don't know who, who to pick i'm gonna stick with the eagles in this one they're gonna go six and oh i think they're just that that much stronger than the cowboys yeah for, for me i, I want to roll it back to when we were discussing the start of the season and we were starting talking about how cowboys fans have been pretty quiet this year and i'm worried that it might be their year it's looking pretty hot as a take right now um, with them being at 4-1 at the moment. And that defense is mean. Now, I don't like the secondary very much. They keep getting burned for big yardage. And most of that is down to Trayvon Diggs. Um, but it is the first real test that the Eagles have faced against the defense. Uh, that, that front that the Cowboys have, I think they're going to really get in Jalen Hurts' face, make him throw the ball, uh, off platform and stuff like that and um, I think this might be a game where Jalen Hurts gives the ball away a couple of times maybe by per putting it on the turf or throwing a couple of interceptions and I think that might be the key to a Cowboys victory so I'm taking the Cowboys in this one. I'm just looking at the stat there the, the Eagles have a plus nine takeaway giveaway there so they've they've taken away 11 balls and only given away two so I mean, that could happen, but and we know Trayvon Diggs likes to take his old interceptions for the punishment of big yard plays, but could could happen, Ari. It could. Um, I think a big uh, factor in this game in the last few games has been Devonta Smith and how he's sort of, you know, stood up and has been a really, really good wide receiver too to sort of help um, when they can't get the ball to... AJ Brown, the, the the worry I have for the Eagles and, and Rain, we've talked about this on a previous show as well, that I think this is the first sort of quality sort of defense that they're going to face now. Um, the Eagles, they haven't really faced some quality. Before they faced the Cardinals last week, they had not faced a team that had a winning record last year. Now they're facing um, two teams in two weeks that have actually went to the playoffs last year. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Now, I don't know would you guys know or not. I actually haven't followed it up this week. But is Dak Prescott in line to play? No, he's not starting anyway. It, it seems that they're giving him another week off and letting Cooper Rush go at it. Right, okay. Okay, that's a, that's a okay then. Um, I think if, if Dak was to play, I would be worried for the, the Cowboys in this just because he's coming in cold after a couple of weeks, especially going to... Um, the link to face uh, this Eagles defensive line for sure that has been you know wrecking teams a lot this year I'm gonna actually go for the Cowboys in this as well I, um, I think that um, 
the Eagles are going to have to lose at some stage, and I think this could be the game they do. Um, the the Dolph, the Cowboys showed that. Um, I think this I I crazy stat time because I found this crazy stat about uh, this too. The Cowboys are the only team in the NFL that have not allowed multiple touchdowns in a game. So that can not continue. At all. No, they've only allowed no Jesus. more than one touchdown in a game. All um, right. So. I think the Eagles as well showed last week against the Cardinals that um, now it could be or it could be passing touchdown, but it's definitely no more than one um, in the game. But the Eagles showed, especially last week, that like in the second half they just didn't come out. The first half they played well against the the Cardinals and sort of were, you know, you know, in, in, imposing their will on the team. And I think that's what's going to happen again this year, or this the, I, that could happen this week. But I worry about the second half. I am going to go for the Cowboys to win this, and both sides will end the week at five and one. Nothing else to say about that. That's that's what I like to hear. I like to hear that sounds <laughs> a nice silence. While we move on to the last game of the week, it's the Monday Night Football. It is an AFC West matchup. It is Denver Broncos traveling to LA to take on the LA Chargers. Uh, of course, the Broncos. Broncos coming off that terrible, awful, I can't say any more about it, like unwatchable game against the Colts where they lost in overtime 12 to 9. The Chargers escaped Cleveland with a, a 30 to 28 win, um, where they should have actually really lost that game. I have a lot of issues, and I was going to say it earlier on this week. Unfortunately, we didn't get the chance to look back at last week, but I'll say it now. These crazy, stupid, fourth and short calls near the end of the game have to stop. Brandon Staley almost lost that game for the Chargers last week because he couldn't just punt a ball into the 20 or the 10 yard line on the Cleveland Browns side of things with a minute to go when Cleveland had no timeouts left. Where in analytics does it say when you're on your own 40 yard line with one minute left, two points up to go for it on fourth and second instead of punting a ball when the other team has no timeouts? I don't get it. Um, but I still think, though, the Chargers are going to play well in this game um, and win against the Broncos. I'm not convinced by the Broncos' offense. I'm not convinced they're going to get it fixed in time, um, despite their little mini-buy at the moment. Um, and I think Broncos fans are, are, are starting to turn a bit. They're they're this close, this close to, to, uh, to shit hitting the fan, if it hasn't already, and before it gets really ugly. But uh, Ryan, um, I'll I'll go to you next on this one. What are you thinking ahead of the Monday Night Football? Yeah, just um, going back quickly to what you said about the analytics. I saw a great quote during the week that was, uh, head coaches will jump out of a window before taking the stairs because analytics tells them it's faster. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that kind of struck a, a, not a nerve, but it, it definitely resonated with me. Uh, yeah, like you said, Dara, I can't see the Chargers coming out of this game with a loss because the Broncos have just been dysfunctional so far this season. Their pass game is broken. The running game is now broken since Javante Williams went down. Um, so I just see no positives with the Broncos at the moment. I'm sure they will get it figured out at some point in the season, but right now they haven't got it done uh, and the Chargers are a good football team, so they're going to win this game. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I just think the Broncos are just woeful in almost every phase of the game right now, especially down in the red zone where they're like 
the worst team in the NFL, I'm sure, at this stage in the in the season. They just can't seem to score properly. It seems to be that their kicker is having a good workout every single Sunday and his legs probably sore at this stage of the season. Um, I can just see Justin Herber- Herbert, Austin Eckler, and, and just no stopping them. So I'm absolutely leading the charges on this one. Yeah, and the injuries are stacking up for the Broncos as well. They lost Garrett Bowles to that broken leg. Randy Gregory went on IR before the game. So many injuries happening, and I, I just I can't see things going well for the Broncos in this game, especially with the likes of Marilyn Mack ready to feast on, on Russell Wilson's soul for sure on this one. But that is where um, we are going to wrap up. That is all the games previewed this week. We hope you enjoy it. We hope it helps you in whatever. Um, if you do decide to do a few bets, let us know um, what you do in case if it helps make your decision. Before we go, this show, of course, was brought to you in partnership with Locker. Locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sports content and puts the power in the hands of fans to personalize their world of sport, including a wide range of premium NFL sources that can be tailored to your fan experience. Download the app for free in the Irish and UK iOS and Play Store. Today, also make sure you're following us on our social channels at UnderCenterPod on Instagram and Twitter. Be kept up to date with the latest news for uh, YouTube. Subscribe under center podcast. Same thing for wherever you get your podcasts under center podcast. Subscribe there. You'll get the show every week. You get it broken down too. If you want to listen to it in bite size chunks, rain and Jake, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a good one. Cheers. And we'll be back again next week to look back at week six and then look ahead to week seven. But until then stay safe and we'll see you soon.